Hello friends, welcome back. Today we're gonna be talking about once saved, always saved, and what that means. Can it be, or is that a deception? I wanna start by apologizing for not uploading that many videos. I have been really slack on it, and the content of my videos has been very vague. Many of you have called me out on that and some on Instagram, some on YouTube and some in person. Um, I was recently talking with someone in person who is a like-minded believer, a spirit-filled, on-fire Christian who I was talking to and I found myself holding back on what I would say and how I would say, I was being careful with my words. And I'm so used to doing that now, I didn't recognize that that's what I was doing. Um, and then one of you yesterday had said that straight out to me in a comment, why are you holding back? Um, I think when you're around people for so long that believe just believe differently than you and you know there's there's many times see here I am trying to be careful with my words um I'm not saying any of these things to be mean I'm not pointing my finger I'm not judging I'm not saying anything in a hate I'm just being honest with you um I have found myself in the last couple of years saying things that to me are just normal church talk, normal Christian talk. And I have found when I do that, many people will kind of smirk or maybe say something, um, maybe make a little joke. And I feel like I'm every time I open my mouth, I'm apologizing, you know, sorry, this is a Pentecostal thing I'm saying here, but you know, I'm tired of doing that. We're in the last days. Like I said, many of you have called me out on it and I don't want to stand before the Lord and him ask me, why did you hold back? Why didn't you tell them the truth? So we're going to talk about some things today and I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be honest. I'm not judging. I'm not arguing. I'm not pointing my finger in hate. I'm just being honest. So I'm just tired of feeling like I have to be so careful with my words because honestly, when you do that, it's not, it's not even doing any good. It's, it's not, it's not helping you. It's not helping them. It's not preventing anything. It's not preventing um, you being separated or treated differently or, um, or even my husband. So, I mean, it's, you know, these, and these are things that are very noticeable, very noticeable. So, you know, you can't just keep going on like that. At some point you're going to have to, and, and I'm saying for me, but I'm saying for you too, you can't go through life being careful with your words just to please somebody else because it's not going to please them anyway. You know, we're going to talk about, can your salvation be lost? So I am going to a church that believes that once you're saved, you're always saved. And I want to start out by saying, I do believe that if you are truly saved, you are safe. 
you are safe in the hands of the Lord. But I think that there is a huge danger in casually saying that to people because everyone is a, a different spiritual maturity. And, you know, just like in a Catholic church, people believe and they're taught, it's told to them over and over that you can basically go and live your life however you choose. And just as long as you come and confess and everything is wiped clean. And I feel like there's, there's denominations that whether they know it or not, that is what they're teaching as well. Um, I've, I've asked these questions. I have researched. I have prayed for years now. And I feel like when you're told no one can take you out of the hands of God, not even yourself, that, I mean, if you just stop and think about that, that doesn't even sound right. What will the Lord say? Because that goes against everything that the Bible teaches. I mean, if you stop and think about it, you're going to have to admit that goes against everything the Bible teaches. The path to heaven is a narrow, hard to travel, not few find it path. So if the only way to heaven is by somebody saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and therefore I'm saved. And once I'm saved, I'm always saved. You know, past, present, and future sins are covered in the blood. So that person, depending on their maturity, their spiritual maturity, may go out and live however they choose, believing that they are safe because people have told them once you're saved, you're always saved. And that is where the problem lies. I think it's dangerous, obviously, for the person who believes that because they are going to stand before God and, and he is going to say, I'm sorry, but I never knew you. Depart from me. And I think that it, it's a dangerous place to stand for those who are saying it to pastors who are saying it because you know the bible tells us that pastors are going to be pastors and teachers are going to be held to a higher standard so you're going to be held accountable for telling people something that is deceptive and that is deceptive and, and i'm not trying to be mean by saying that i am saying this with love because we're in the last days we don't have time to play games anymore. We don't have time to keep walking on a path that we feel is safe and it's not. And we don't have time to be telling other people that they're safe when they're not. Because not only are they not safe, but you're not safe telling them that. Um, does that mean you'll lose your salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying what if somebody else does because they have been convinced that they're safe and they're not? What if they had been told the truth and they pursued the Lord and was safe and did get saved? 
but they didn't because they thought they were safe. They were told. I, re I just, real quick, <clears throat> I know I'm kind of talking a lot here, but a couple years back, we had just started a new church and someone that I loved passed away. This person had said the sinner's prayer with me and prayed with me a couple of years before even. But the life that was led was continual drinking, heroin use, meth use, crank or crack or cocaine or you know whatever, just a multitude of drugs, um, hard drugs. And, you know, pretty much living in the bars, going home with different people every night. Um, that is not a Christian life anyone would agree. So I remember asking the Bible teacher at this new church about once saved, always saved. I wanted to, I honestly wanted him to tell me something from the Bible, not just his own words. I wanted him to give me Bible verses that I could look up myself to see because I really wanted this person, I, I wanted this person to be in heaven that had passed away. And this Bible teacher was, you could tell, I had someone standing there with me um, who would confirm, this person was visibly irritated with my question and was only giving his opinion about it didn't give me any Bible verses to back up what he was saying. Um, and his, his main explanation was that had I, myself, when I accepted Jesus as the Son of God and believed that he was the Son of God, did I ever sin after that? And I said, of course I have. I mean wouldn't say that we're all sinners right um and he's he was offering that as proof that even though i had sinned after accepting that jesus was the son of god that but that i was saved because once you're saved you're always saved and you, you no one can take you out of the hand of god not even yourself um that just didn't sit right with me because I know myself and God knows me even better. And I had believed my entire life. I had been raised to believe that Jesus was the son of God. I, I knew that, but I went on to get involved in witchcraft and um, a completely opposite lifestyle from the Christian faith until my late 30s. So my entire youth was spent living in sin, um, admittedly. And had I continued on that path, I would not go to heaven. There's no way I could. Um, did I believe fully in my heart that Jesus was the son of God? Absolutely. Yes, I did. 
But just because I believed that Jesus was the Son of God did not mean that I was once saved, always saved. I had a part in it. Is Salvation is a free gift, yes. But I have to take it. And it's my responsibility to hold on to it. Did, did Judas believe that Jesus was the Son of God? I believe he did believe that. I, I, I believe he knew Jesus was the Son of God. And I believe that that's why he committed suicide. Did he go to heaven, do you think? The Bible tells us that he was lost. John 17, 12 tells us that Judas was lost. Um, that Jesus had said that he had not lost any except Judas. And see, that's the thing. People are telling other people whether they're saved or not. The Bible tells us that God confirms in us if we are his sons or daughters. And, and the Bible gives us lots and lots of Bible verses that tell us that we can lose our salvation. So let's go ahead and just look at some of those now. Hebrew 6, 4 through 6 says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Could someone who was not really saved be enlightened to see clearly and understand the word of God? Who have tasted the heavenly gifts? Who have shared in the Holy Spirit who seals us? Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age? What are those powers? Those are powers of the gifts of the spirit. Pow those same powers that Jesus had because he Jesus told us that we would do the same things that he did and even greater because he was going to the Father and we were going to continue here. So could someone who was not saved have those experiences? Only someone who is saved can experience those, those things that the Bible tells. Those are for the believers. Those being enlightened, tasting the heavenly gifts, sharing in the Holy Spirit, tasting the goodness of the word of God and the powers, experiencing the powers of the coming age. Only those are things for those who are saved. Okay, let's look at Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, But Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? 
Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Okay, now there is a story of two people, I think it was two, who were casting out demons in Jesus's name who Paul mentions. And the demons knew that these two were not saved themselves, that they were not followers of Jesus, that they were only using the name of Jesus. So those demons jumped on them and beat them and ripped all their clothes off even. So the demons knew that even though they were using the name of Jesus, that they were not followers. So if this person, these people that are mentioned in Matthew are casting out demons in your name and doing mighty works in your name, that means that they were followers, that they were Christians. They were saved because you can't do those things without being a follower of Jesus. That person has to be saved to do those things. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. If you go on to read, it says, Jesus tells them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. So they may have done those things. They may have been saved, but what, for whatever reason, they didn't have a relationship with the Lord and they were doing iniquity as well as these things. They were doing something else that obviously the Lord told them not to be doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, let's look at 2 Peter 22, 2 Peter 2, 20 through 23. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state of them becomes worse for them than the first. It would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, turning back from the holy commandments delivered to them. And it goes on to say, to a, um, giving an example in Proverbs of a dog that returns to its vomit, to its own vomit. So that is clearly telling us it would have better, it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness, which means they did know the way of righteousness. They had to walk it. They had to live it. I want to take you to Ezekiel because there's a few different verses in Ezekiel that really are eye-opening. Let's, let's go ahead and look at Ezekiel 3.20. Ezekiel 3.20 says, Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness... And does evil. And I put a stumbling block before them. They will die. Since you did not warn them. 
they will die for their sins. The righteous things that person did will not be remembered. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. So this is why I'm telling you now. Just because someone told you once you're saved, you're always saved does not mean you're on safe ground. Let's go to John 15, 5 through 7. And it says, and this is Jesus, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So this is telling us Jesus is the vine and we're the branches and the branches should resemble the vine, should reflect the vine and carry the same fruit. So, you know, going back to that story of the person who had passed away, there was no fruit. And I wanted there to be an answer, but there wasn't. And you might hear people say, well, that person wasn't really saved. Clearly, yes. But how many people are deceived and I'm using that word, and I know it's a strong word, but when you believe something that is not true, you're blinded to the fact that it's not true. You can't see that it's not true. That's why I'm using that word. How many people believe that they are safe and saved and are not? Those are the people I'm worried about. If you are truly saved, then you don't have anything to worry about. But how many people are being told, once you're saved, you're always saved, so they think they're safe. They don't pursue the Lord. The Bible tells us to test ourselves, to see if we're in the faith. Do they do that? Do they obey the word of God? Because the Bible tells us if we love him, we'll obey him. A couple years ago, my pastor had preached about a young person who was new to the faith, who had came to the Lord. And I think that he had gone to a youth group or something. And at this youth group, there were other people there playing pool at a pool table. And he really struggled with that. That was a stumbling block for him. Even though it's just a pool table, I mean, there's nothing sinful or evil about a pool table. But to him, that is what he came away from. That was what was in bars and pool halls and where people were partying and they weren't living for the Lord. To him, that's not what should be in churches or in a Christian community. That was a stumbling block for him. Luckily, the other people there who didn't have a problem with a pool table, they recognized it was a hard thing for him so they let it go. 
they didn't play pool. I, I don't know if he said they removed the pool table or they just didn't play it and went to another room or something. I'm not sure. But, you know, they recognized that that was a stumbling block for him. And what if they hadn't? What if they had not recognized that and said, well, I like it. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Would that have continued to be a stumbling block? Well, that takes you back to Ezekiel. That person's blood might be on your hands. Um, my personal issue is with anything that has to do with witchcraft. Um, I don't like movies. I don't like books. I don't like music. Um, I don't like the jewelry or how people dress. Um, that is something that witchcraft... I, to be honest with you, I don't even like language when I hear Christians say love and light. I don't even like to say that because that is what witches say. That is a witch blessing. Did you know that? That is what witches say. It came from witchcraft. And it's only recently that Christians have picked up on it because God is love and God is light. So therefore, I'm going to use the saying. And even though the devil says, even though witches say it, I'm saying it for God. It doesn't matter how many people, if I wasn't secure in my faith, would that be a stumbling block for me to say, um, you look just like what I came out of, you know, if it's a stumbling block, you don't know who's stumbling. They don't always tell you that that's a stumbling block for them, but they're watching you. I don't like to hear Christians say they're burning sage in their house. Maybe you haven't heard of that. Some of you have, I know, because it's a very popular thing right now. I hear lots of people saying it. I've even seen it on coffee cups and t-shirts. Um, that is something witches do. And they do it because the smoke of the burned sage is supposed to clear out the negative energy in your house, all of the evil energy. Well, you know what? Christians don't need to burn sage. That is what witches do. Christians have power in the name of Jesus with the blood of Jesus. You don't burn sage. You anoint your home. You plead the blood of Jesus over your home. You command the demons to leave in the name of Jesus because Jesus gave us the authority. And see, you know what? Even just saying that, I would have been careful with my words before because people get offended by just just what I just said but you know what it's true Jesus gave us the authority and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be careful with my words anymore I'm not saying that to offend anyone I'm saying it so you learn that what I say is the truth look it up in the Bible for yourself because it's not just me saying it it's the Bible that's what the Bible says Okay, we're going to look at Matthew 18, 32 through 35. And it says, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
Okay, what I want to point out about this verse, the obvious in this verse is that we can't hold a grudge. We can't hold on to unforgiveness. We need to forgive others. And there's lots of verses on why we should forgive others um, because the same measuring stick that we use to judge other people is what's going to be used on us. Same measuring stick. What's not as obvious to some people is the fact that the master called in the servant, you wicked servant. A servant is a saved person. This is a Christian saved person, a servant. We are servants of God and he is the master. You wicked servant. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. How many times have we gone to the Lord? Please forgive me for my sins. And he forgave us our debt. Jesus paid that debt for us on our behalf. But because they wouldn't have mercy on a fellow servant, a fellow Christian, just as he had on us, in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all his own debt. Until he has, that means that debt was put back on him and he was going to have to pay it himself. Did you catch that? So that tells us right there, even though that person had been forgiven their debts, when they didn't do what the Lord asked them to by being merciful as he was merciful, he was going to be handed over until he paid back that debt that had been taken back. And he was going to have to pay it himself. Do you see what I'm saying? That is, that's exactly what that verse is telling us. Let's look at Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore, it is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. I like to go to Bible Hub because it gives you all of the translations. And sometimes reading through multiple different translations really gives you a good understanding. Let's see, the King James is what we just read. Let's look at the New International Version. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If we are the salt of the earth and we lose our saltiness, how can it be resalted? Do you see what that's saying? I, I like to, sometimes I like to look at the cross references here. The first one is Job 6 6, and it says, Is tasteless food eaten without salt? Mark 9.50 says, salt is good, but if the salt loses its saltiness, with what will you season it? Have, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. 
Hebrews 10, 29 says, How much more severely do you think one deserves to be punished who has trampled on the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and insulted the Spirit of grace? That is a cross-reference to being the salt of the earth. Let's look at Romans 11, 20 through 22. It says, that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, that is Israel, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Continue. And that's what it means to endure to the end. Those will be the ones who are saved, who endure, who, who abide in God's word, who live out God's word. They don't just say, well, I'm saved so I can do whatever I want now because I know I'm safe. And I fear that that is the deception of saved, once saved, always saved. I don't, I don't believe that it's an evil thing for people to say that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that a lot of people take it as I can do whatever I want now. And they don't pursue the Lord. They don't continue in the Lord. They don't have any fear, reverential fear of the Lord. You know, we know that there's verses in Revelations 3.16 that talks about the Laodicean church and being lukewarm. Jesus said, I would rather you be cold or hot because if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Okay, that means that you were there though. To spit you out is the same as cutting off the branch. It's the same thing. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Okay. If the Lord tells us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, that is telling us, isn't there another verse that tells us to hate what God hates. So, you know, going back to the the movies and the books and the getting involved in, um, there, there's lots of ver uh, churches now that are getting involved in reading tarot cards and they call them destiny cards. I'm sorry, but if somebody has came out of witchcraft and they see a church doing that, that is not separating yourself from the world. That is bringing the world into the church and trying to uh, fit that puzzle piece into God's puzzle. And it doesn't fit. God doesn't copy the devil. Why would, why would he use tarot cards? Why would he use cards? You know? We are called to be separate from the world. If you are trying to make it an excuse to have those things that are evil and whether you 
view them as evil or not really doesn't matter. Because if God calls them evil, he's the ultimate judge. Our opinion is the same as a little toddler making the rules of the house. Don't the parents know best? The toddler doesn't know what's best for them. The parent does because the parent can see the bigger picture. They've been around longer. They know the healthy foods to eat. They know that the other stuff is bad for you. They know that running with scissors is dangerous. They know that um, petting the bear through the fence at the zoo is dangerous. The toddler doesn't know those things. That is how it is for us. We think we know, just like we did when we were young. When I was a teenager, I thought I had it all figured out. <laughs> I'm sure you did too. But now that I'm older, I'm 50 now. Now that I'm 50, I look back when I was 15 and say, wow, was I stupid. <laughs> I thought I had it all figured out. That is how it is. The Lord knows what's best for us. He sees the bigger picture. We don't. So we might think something is okay that the Lord calls evil. We might not see it as evil, but if the Lord says it's evil, we're going to have to trust that he knows best. And you know, there's a lot of things happen in the world right now that people are saying, um, you know, the Bible tells us that the world is going to start calling evil good and good evil. Don't we see that happening now? I mean, crazy stuff that we, just 10 years ago, we would have never, ever thought that we would see happening in the world openly and blatant in our face. And it's being called good, and we know it's not. And I do have a video coming up on that. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. I, every time I used to go on vacation, I would read in Ecclesiastes. It was my favorite vacation book to read. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, let's look at 12, 13. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And it says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. To fear God, doesn't the Bible tell us that the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, is the fear of the Lord? It does not mean the same fear as when you go watch a scary movie or see some traumatic event that scares you. This is talking about a reverential fear of the Lord, the one who can put you in heaven or hell for eternity. A reverential fear of displeasing the one who has the fate of your eternity in his hands. How many people, you know, going back to what we started with they feel like they're safe they feel like they're on safe ground because they've been told once you're saved you're always saved are they are they safe 
only God knows. Are they, uh, yes, the, the gift of salvation is free and we're saved by grace. Yes, but we have a part in it. Our lives are not going to look the same. How many, how many things in the, in the Old and the New Testament tell us to walk the, the, to walk the path of righteousness? If, if it was easy, if it, if it was just believing Jesus is the Son of God, if that's all that it took, how wide do you think the path of heaven would be? Just think about how many, I think, I would have to look it up again. I think it's 80 something percent. It might be less now um, because it, it does drop over the years. Um, but there's a good percentage of Americans who believe believe that they are a Christian and saved. If the majority believes they're saved, then that path would be wide and well-traveled. But the Bible tells us the wide, well-traveled path is leading to hell. The one that leads to heaven is narrow. It's hard to travel and few find it. So if it was just believing Jesus is the Son of God, then that would be a wide path, a wide, well-traveled path. But there's a reason it says the path is narrow and few find it. Because truly believing and having a reverential fear of the Lord and following what the Word says, abiding in the Word of God, that is done on our part. Lastly, we're going to look in, we're going to look in two different books here. We're going to start with Exodus. Exodus 32, verse 33. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Did you know that that was in the book of Exodus? I know some of you know that's in the book of Revelation. Um, and let's go ahead and look there. Revelation 3, 5. The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. You cannot blot out a name if it wasn't written there. As I said before, the Bible tells us to test ourselves. To stop and look at ourselves and see if we're in the faith. Does our life reflect it? We are in the last days. We do not have time to, you know, skip through the daisies chasing butterflies at this point. We need to remember we are in a spiritual battle. We need to have our armor on. We need to be about our father's business and focused on the prize at the end of the race. So I hope that this um, has opened your eyes a little bit. I hope that you stop um, after you've watched this video, reflect on what I've said, look up the Bible verses for yourself, pray about it, and, and see if what I have said is true. I want to leave you with the thought. 
Last Sunday, our pastor had to go out of town. He went to go see his mom, who's 105 years old. And she looks like she's maybe in her 80s. Talking to her granddaughter, um, who was showing me photos, she just looks so youthful and active and wow. <laughs> so our pastor was out of town. Uh, the elder, One of the elders in our church preached. His name is Tom. And he preached on Palm Sunday. And you know the story in the Bible where the people had the palms and they were laying them at the feet of Jesus and their coats and they were all crying Hosanna um, and believing that Jesus, the King, had came to save them. Just a week later, they were screaming in mobs, crucify him. Those same people who just a week earlier were saying Hosanna and laying their coats at his feet and worshiping him. I had a clear picture in my mind as he spoke about this of people today. How many people today are waving their prayers at Jesus? They might not be waving the palm branches, but how many people today are waving their prayers at Jesus and, and asking for something and expecting it now? The people that of that time, they expected Jesus to save them from the Roman Empire, to change their lives, to save them. But he didn't. He didn't do what they wanted him to, how they wanted it done. He did, but just not how they thought it should be done. They didn't see the big picture. They didn't know the big picture. How many people today are waving their prayers at Jesus and not palm branches, but prayers and saying, Lord, change this or that in my life. And when they don't get that prayer answered when and how they want, they give up and walk away. They walk away from him completely because they didn't get what they wanted when they wanted it. That prayer answered. That is the same as those people with the palm branches one week and the next week they were screaming crucify. So let's tell people while they have a chance to do something about it. So anyway, tomorrow is Resurrection Sunday. I pray that your day is blessed. I hope the Lord blesses you and keeps you and anoints you and uses you in a powerful way. So you have a great day and I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.